I'm going to be taking my time to explain some things. So perhaps I may not be preaching in that sense. But I want you to see your role in God. Where he has brought us into what he intends us to do. What we ought to be doing. Uh, it's not enough to be called from the world. It's not enough to say we are Christians. Neither are we just coming in so that we can get all of the good things of life. And yet, we don't seem to amount to nothing before him. There is a reason why God called us from the world. Hallelujah. And how many of you have heard about being of a royal priesthood? You've heard about that before. Okay, I'm going to explain some things to you this morning so that you can understand the position of the church in relation to the world, in relation to your environment, how that God intends you to function in a different way in your environment. In fact, God has expectation for us because he has called us to himself from the world. So, I'm talking about the order of Melchizedek. Now, you turn very quickly. What is the order of Melchizedek? Turn to Hebrews. Let's start from Hebrews chapter number 7. What is the order of Melchizedek? The order of Melchizedek. Praise the Lord. I'm looking at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 7 verse number 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. For which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. As it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified that at a priest for ever after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. After the order of Melchizedek. Now, number one, when you read Hebrew, you need to begin to see that it was basically a comparison. Of Judaism and Christianity, of a priesthood of Aaron and the priesthood of Jesus. There are it's just two comparisons. I mean, major comparisons: uh, the old order and the new order. The first house and the second house. Like you go to Hebrew three, you're going to talk about the first half, the first church and the second church. Talk about apostle, apostle, apostle Moses and apostle Jesus. Okay. Now these are the basic comparisons you find in the book of Hebrews. Here is a comparison of another order: the order of Leviticus of the Aaronic priesthood, and then the order of Melchizedek. Now, basically what he's saying is, you can trace Melchizedek priesthood from the Levitical priesthood. Is that okay? And then Jesus being a priest after the order of Melchizedek is completely different setting because Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah were the people to produce the kings and not the priests. Are you getting this? Judah was meant to produce the kingship and not the priesthood. So here the Bible is saying, Jesus, as it were, is in the order of Melchizedek. A new order entirely, completely different from the order of Leviticus or Aaronic priesthood. Now, again, get the point right. You can't function or minister except you trace your genealogy to Aaron or Levite, if you were to function as a priest in Israel. Is that okay? So God is saying there's a change of order. Now, the word order is important. 
is the, the, the Greek word taxis. It's just like taxi, but taxis, T-A-X-I-S, the taxis. And it means regular arrangement in time, fixed succession of rank or character, official dignity. It means order. Now, the best way I'm going to explain order to you is this. Some of us maybe knows uh, what you call the night in the Anglican Communion. Do you know anything called night in Anglican Communion? Right. You know the night, okay? Now, we have what we call the, for instance, you can have what you call the Order of Columbus. Have you had things like that? The Order of Christopher. The Order of Columbus. The Order of this, the Order of that. Is that okay? Good. That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, you see, these are a whole group of people in the Anglican Communion. But when you say the order of Columbus, there is something specific that they are known for that they were supposed to be doing. Is that okay? And then you have the order of Christopher. There is something also that they are known for that they are supposed to be doing. That's what it means. When you say order, you are talking of a unique set of people that functions separately for a specific purpose. Are you there with me? Hallelujah. So, when you say the order of Melchizedek, it's just like I've said, it's just like you say the order of Christopher, the order of Columbus, as a knight. These are unique people with specific responsibility. So, here we're talking about the order of Melchizedek, meaning this Melchizedek priesthood, which is an order, has a specific function in creation. Are you there with me? Come on, are we together? Alright. Okay now. Let's turn to the book of Exodus. Now let me get to show you. The church as a nation. The church as a nation. Exodus 19. Um, I'm looking at 5 and, 5 and 6. Remember, when Israel came out, of Egypt, the Bible refers to them as the firstborn of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to be having time to talk to you on that. What it means to be a firstborn, basically. What it means to be a firstborn. It goes beyond just the issue of double portion. We often look at the firstborn as that of the issue of double portion. But you see, Israel was a firstborn. Have you read that in the Bible? Good. And that is why the firstborn in Israel have to die because Israel as a nation, not just one person, Israel as a nation was the firstborn of God. Firstborn in what sense? Firstborn from among the nations of the world. Is that okay? Hallelujah. We're going to talk about that. Are we there in Exodus 19, verse 5? Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice, indeed, God is speaking, talking about the commandment, and keep my command, my covenant, then it shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And it shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, collective, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Did you get it there? Praise the Lord. Come on, are you there with me? Alright. Okay. So, God is saying here, if you obey my commandment, if you keep my covenant, then you are going to be a kingdom of priests. Actually, what you find in the book of Revelation, I think Revelation 1 verse number 5, when the Bible says, I'm 10, 
when the Bible says we'll be made prince and kings unto God, it's not actually to be separated as it were, but that thing is taken from this Exodus 19. Okay, so now the kingdom of priests is talking about the whole nature being what? A priest unto God. Is that okay? Now this is where somebody wants to ask me a question. Do you believe in the priesthood of the believers? I said yes. But above that, I also believe in the ranking within the body of Christ. Because you find that even as God has this as a kingdom of priests, you still have the Levites, you still have the Aaronic priesthood. You still have the twelve tribes. All the twelve tribes made up the one nation. But in the midst of the twelve tribe, we still have the Aaronic priesthood, we still have the Levitic order, we still have the seventy elders, we still have the twenty-four elders. All of those structures were meant for governance and stability of the community. Are you done with me? Alright, so, now, let me show you something. How did Israel become a priest unto God? And I want to see why are they priests? Why are they called a kingdom of priests? There's a need to understand. Hallelujah. Okay, now, thank you Father. I don't know if I'll go that way. Kingdom of priests, one thing you must understand that once there is a king, it directly connects to governance and rulership. Is that okay? So one other simple definition of the kingdom of God is the government of God. Are you done with me? Because every king has a government. The way the king rules makes up his kingdom. So another simple definition of the kingdom of God is what? The government of God. Because kings were the ones that were governing in those days. Is that okay? So you talk about the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Saul, the kingdom of Solomon. Alright. Now, how did Israel become a kingdom of priests? Don't you forget, the kings were supposed to make the rules and the laws. Is that okay? Now, here we are seeing kings who were supposed to function as what? Priests. Are you there with me? Right. When you have the kings, you are supposed to have the priests. Okay. But here the Bible talks about a kingdom of priests. Meaning, everyone is a priest. However, though they be kings. Okay. Now, as you go on, you see what Mechizedek stands for. Mechizedek stands for the king of Salem. Is that okay? And the Bible says he was a priest of God. Is that okay? He was a king and yet he was a priest. Now, that's God's intention from the beginning. That his community called the church serves not only as king but also what? As priest. Okay. Now go to Deuteronomy 38. Let me show you what really happened here. How Israel became a king. And it's very important we understand this. I'm reading from 32 verse number 7. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 32 verse number 7. The Bible says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. I wish we can come to the place where we really have fathers and elders who can tell the next generation what it has always been. Hallelujah. Ask your fathers. And he will show thee. 
ask the elders and they will tell thee. Do we really have elders today who can speak to the next generation of the things that God has in mind? Okay, verse 2, I mean verse 8. When the Most High divided the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he said the bands of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the lost portion is his people. Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the west howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eyes. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Now, he is saying, remember this. I'm going to show you something a little bit deep. Those of you who know a little bit of geography, which I think you should know. He said, go back and ask and find out when God divided the sons of Adam. Sons of Adam means automatically humanity. Is that okay? Alright. Now, let me, let me make you see this. You can also turn, just write it down. Uh, Acts 7 verse 26. Write it down. You're going to find Paul was making reference to this particular passage. We, we may understand from history and readings that there was a divine arrangement that God made that the earth should be divided into what it is now. He's talking about the inheritance of the nations. Is that okay? Hallelujah. It is on record that Africa was given to Ham. Ham was supposed to be the son of Noah. Is that okay? Remember that? Ham, Sham, Japheth. Is that alright? Okay. Africa fall into the lot of Sham. I mean, to the lot of Ham. Okay? And to his descendants. At the same time, Europe fell to Japheth. And Asia to Shem. With a particular reserve of Palestine to the lost portion for his people. That's what you find there. So the three major continents of the world were supposed to be splitted between the three sons of Noah. Now, this division didn't come to be until after about 200 years in the days of Peleg. If you go and read, that's what you're going to find. Hallelujah. So, geography, we're talking about drifting, whatever, into the Atlantic Ocean, drifting on continent, fine. That is geography. But we know from scriptures that this is intention of God to divide the nations. And you know what? He allowed Palestine. You see, Palestine is just that portion you see. It's, it's not too big, as it were. A small portion, but we're seated for the convenient observation of humanity. How is it? If you watch closely, it's between the two junctions, the junction of the two great continents of Asia and Africa. That's why you find Palestine. Overlooking Europe. So the three major continents, Palestine is in between, and Europe can directly see, or is overseeing Europe. So what is happening? God said, at the center of the world of this division, that is where his salvation is going to spring forth. Are you getting this? So he picked his people and positioned them in that simple place, that junction between Asia and Africa, overseeing Europe. So now, there is nowhere in the world where you cannot see the light of God as a nation which belongs to him in terms of Israel. Are you following this? 
When God divided the nations, Sham, Ham, Africa, Sham, Asia, Japheth, Europe, and he said, okay, I'm going to have that little portion in between these nations, especially between Africa and Asia. I'm going to position Palestine there. This little land, nobody's going to own it. It belongs to me. And I'm going to position my people there. And that is why you find that when Christ came, the gospel could spread from there to Asia, to Africa, to Europe. Did you get that? Centrally located. God has an agenda for nations. God has an agenda for whatever he's doing. God has planned. He doesn't make mistakes. So, he positioned Israel there. And Jesus was born in that small portion of the whole nation. Where from there, the gospel can go out. So after Jesus died, the gospel began to spring from there. How many of you remember? From Africa, people went to Israel on the day of Pentecost. Remember that? Okay. Now he wrote to the seven churches in Asia. And he began to see all those movements. You can take the arrows coming out of Palestine, the smallest portion in the middle, if I may use the word, of the whole world. So he said, okay, this nation go there, this nation go this way. But within that small portion, that is where my people are going to be. And that is where my life will spring for. And that is why Christ was born in Palestine. So that from the center of the world, the gospel can go forth. Are you getting this? Good. Now, that portion he gave to no one, it is for himself. Like you can read from Deuteronomy 32. He left the portion to himself and he positioned Israel there as his own inheritance. Now, why is this so? Because he said, you are going to be a kingdom of priests. Did you get that? Good. That means the priesthood of Jesus will spring forth from within that circle we are describing to the rest of the nation. The excess and the mind of God for positioning Israel in that place is that his own mind, which has to do with his laws and his nature, will spring forth from that portion to the rest of the nation. So when he says you are a kingdom of priests, he's saying Israel as a nation is a priest to Asia, to Africa, and to Europe. Are you following this? Hallelujah. I want you to know that what I'm discussing is that I'm not just giving you history. I'm giving you God's intention for creation. Hallelujah. I'm giving you God's intention for the world, even as you see it. For the continent, even as you see it. Hallelujah. Now, let's move on just a little bit. Okay. Go to Genesis now. Chapter 14. And I'm sorry you know so much about Melchizedek. Don't you forget. This is a kingdom of priests unto me. In this kingdom of priests, he located a position in Palestine, which has a very center, from use the word, of the world. From where all of his mind and intentions were meant to spread out. Hallelujah. Are we there in Genesis? Alright. I'm looking at 17. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to bring from the message translation. So don't get lost as I'm reading. 17. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedalioman and his allied kings, the king of Sodom came out to greet him in the valley of Shaveh, the king's valley. Verse 18. And Mekidah, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the high God. And blessed him. 
Blessed be Abraham, by the high God, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be the high God who handed your enemies over to you. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all he recovered, which is the plunders. Hallelujah. Now, first of all, I want you to picture this. Abraham did not pay tithe before Melchizedek blessed him. Melchizedek blessed Abraham and Abraham paid tithe from what he has. Did you get the picture? Good. I want you to understand because there is something I'm going to make you see. Meaning also that one of the major reasons you pay your tithe is an acknowledgement of the blessings you got in and the blessings of God upon your life. Amen? Don't you forget, here Melchizedek is saying, it is God that gave your enemies into your hands. Did he say so? So it was not by the strength of Abraham that he defeated the enemies, but God gave the enemies to Abraham. And so he blessed him. The Bible says he brought wine and bread. As the case may be. Now don't forget. I may not go that far, but you can also remember that before Jesus left into glory, he broke bread with the disciples and he gave them bread and wine. Is that okay? Right. Meaning to us, the function of the priesthood is to give life to people. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? The function, your duty, and anyway, we'll come to that. But just watch this. So here we find that Melchizedek also blessed Abraham. The Bible says he came and met with him and blessed him and pronounced all the blessing upon his life. And Abraham, in acknowledgement of the Father, he says, God who gave me this glory, gave me this power, who gave me this victory, have to pay tithe of the things that he has gotten. That is what is required of us. As God blesses us, we just need to acknowledge Him that is God who has given us the power to get words. Hallelujah. Alright. But I want you to understand the spirit of this priest, which is the priest and king. And uh, I've said that before, maybe I'll mention it again here, but I remember mentioning a few places I traveled across the nations. When people say the restoration of the tabernacle of David is music, it's not very accurate. Yes, David was a musician. David was a good psalmist. But that is not exactly what the restoration of the tabernacle of David was. See, Solomon had a tabernacle. Moses had a tabernacle. And then we also know that Zachariah built a tabernacle. Is that okay? But the tabernacle of David was completely different. What sense was it? The ark was not placed in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, I mean... Just like Solomon's temple, the tabernacle of David was simply behind this house before, because he had the man to build God a temple. Is that okay? Right. But before then, when he brought the ark from the house of Obedon, Obedidom, he placed it behind this house. He was a king, but he could go there and minister before the ark, which was not permitted. The Lord did not allow a king to minister before the ark. It was a function of the priest. Is that okay? But David was ministering before the ark because there was no priest in that sense. Now God did not stop him from doing that. So that is primarily the beginning of the king and priest ministering before the ark. So the restoration of the tabernacle of David is basically 
Gentiles who were not supposed to be from the Levitical order, who were not qualified to be priests, but now are what? Priests before God. Even though we are kings. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Alright. Now, here we find Melchizedek blessing Abraham, which is the major role of the priest. Okay. So now you can understand what Israel was supposed to be to the rest of the nations. Israel as a priest or kingdom of priests was supposed to be a blessing to the three continents we're talking about. Africa, Asia, and then Europe. Are you following me? Good. Meaning, if you come to the place of being priest and king, there's a responsibility upon your life to be a blessing to people around you. Can I hear an to that? There's a life you reveal, there's a life you manifest for being a king and a priest unto God on the face of the earth. God didn't just call us from the wall so that we just be looking at the world the way it is. God intends that through us, the world will become better than we came to meet it. Okay, let's look at the book of First Peter. First Peter. So don't forget we're dealing with the issue of Melchizedek order. Or the order of Melchizedek. Is that alright? And don't forget the simple definition. The order of Melchizedek or the order of Columbus or the order of Christopher. I try to explain to you to know that there's a specific duty that these orders are meant to perform. Once there is an order, there is a duty attached to it. Amen? Okay, I'm looking at First Peter 2. I'm reading verse 9. Down to 10. Praise the Lord. But you are the ones chosen by God. Message translation. Chosen for the high calling of priestly walk. I want you to know that. Priestly walk. If you can give us, if you can give us message translation, I will have love it. Is it there? Okay, fine. Good. But you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of what? Priestly works. That's what I want you to note. This priestly work is in the order of Melchizedek. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instrument to do his work. And speak out for him. Hallelujah. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. When he said to be praised unto God, praise is not just worshipping in that sense, but this is true meaning. Telling the difference between night and day, how God keeps you, how God keeps you moving. This morning we're talking about witnessing. We don't really know what role we're supposed to play in as high priest of God. This is it. The order of Melchizedek was raised as a high calling of priestly work and chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him wherever you find yourself. That's your role as a high priest. Hallelujah. That's your role as the priest of the order of Melchizedek. Let's move down to the next verse. Verse 10. Speaking out for him, like he said, to tell others of the, of the night and the difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejectedness to what? Acceptedness. Oh my God. 
This is your role as a high priest. It is as you begin to make these proclamations, speaking for God. Do you know what it means to speak for someone? It's like somebody has sent you, you need to, it's like a witness. Being a witness box in the court. Amen. Speaking out for God. The God who has been able to bring you, make a difference in your life from the night and day difference. And that brings you from nothing to something, from rejectedness to what? To acceptedness. And that is why in the beginning he said, in Deuteronomy 32, if you remember, he said, I found in the wilderness, I took it to myself. Remember that? Even the same thing in the wall as it was, it was like you were rejected and God had to pick you from the wall. He did not only pick you, he accepted you. He didn't only accept you, he chose you to become a high priest, to do priestly work. Praise the living God. Are we there? Meaning, if we truly say, we are a royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Simply means we have an assignment for creation. That is why, listen to me, people of God. There is so much to be done or so much to do around us as compared to just being in church, singing songs, Talking in tongues and doing whatever they will call service. Don't you forget, he said you are meant to be speaking out for who? For him. You don't do that in church. Glory to God. You don't you don't do that in church. Where do you do that? You do that wherever you find yourself. If you're truly priest, okay, I'm gonna make you see something. Go back again to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. Back again to Hebrews chapter 7. Let me read again from the message translation. I'm reading from 15. Same message translation. From the rejected to the accepted. That is what... Why you must see yourself as being accepted of God. Listen to me. Even if the world rejects you, have one thing in your heart. God has accepted you in Christ. Amen? Hebrews 7 verse 15. But the Melchizedek story provides a perfect analogy. Jesus, a priest like Melchizedek, not by genealogical descent, but by the sheer force of resurrection life. He lives. Praise forever in the royal order of Melchizedek, verse 17, 18 says, The former way of doing things, a system of commandment that never worked out the way it was supposed to, was set aside. The law brought nothing to maturity. Hallelujah. That's why you see, when we talk about perfection, it really means maturity. Our sister spoke about this morning. The law brought nothing to maturity. Another way, Jesus... A way that does work, that brings us right into the presence of God, is put in place. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you following this? Now get down to Hebrews again, chapter 5. Hebrews 
Praise the living God. I'm looking at it again from the message translation. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. Don't forget, you are high priest. The Bible says, the one of the Levitical order could not bring man to the place of maturity. And can we also indicate therefore that one of the reasons that the world cannot get into the place of full maturity in God was because that law, Israel itself, couldn't be able to do it. The first priesthood, the first kingdom can do it. Because there was no way you could bring men to the place of maturity. That is why you can't take that gospel that was preached then and push it into the world. It has to be a new way of doing things. It has to be a new life entirely in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In our power we say something. I am what I am by what? By the grace of God. Amen? It's not by the law. It's not by the tradition. And you see, people won't understand when you talk about the issue of grace. They think grace is just a new thing. Grace is not a new thing. The Bible made us understand no one find grace in the sight of God. Did the Bible say so? Grace has always been there. Abraham find grace even before the law. God wants to believe in the grace. Grace works. Hallelujah. Okay. Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 1 to 6. Every high priest selected to represent men and women before God and offer sacrifices for their sins should be able to deal gently with their feelings. I want you to see how you ought to be operating as a priest. Are you done with me? Every high priest selected to represent men and women before God and offer sacrifice for their sins should be able to deal gently with their feelings since he knows what it's like from his own experience. One of the things is this. Do you know why Jesus had to become a man? So that he can truly function as a high priest. Because you can't really do something for some people except you first have experienced the same thing. You don't expect an angel to judge you because angels have no flesh. As it were. They are created beings, they are not born. Come on, are we together? The kind of trials and temptation that you go through, angels are not supposed to go through that. Therefore, in the true sense, angels are not supposed to judge you. The only thing that qualified Jesus to be the high priest and a judge is because he partook of flesh and blood, just like you are. The only man, therefore, that can assist you in life is a man who can see your position. We've seen people who, who grew up from very poor settings. And they decide to give all their life to helping the poor. Because they saw what it means to be from poor background. Are you there with me? That is what I'm talking about. If you've been a high priest the way it is now, 
Where were you before you become a Christian? How were you living before? Is there any difference in your life? Can you go back to the people you came out from to make them see that there's a difference in coming to the Lord? Hallelujah. Do you have sympathy for those who are in such an oppressive situation? Now, don't, don't you forget this. God didn't just call us to preach in church. God actually wants us to be in the street to help humanity. Amen? See, the first priesthood, the Palestine kingdom of priests, like we read before, they didn't come out. They wanted the nations to come to them. In fact, they didn't even want the nations to come. Because Paul will say, we know, I mean, Peter will say, we know the kingdom is of the Jews. Alright? So, after Jesus' ascension and the fivefold ministry, the gospel was given, they were also trying to stay in Jerusalem. God brought persecution and then people begin to scatter. And so, as many as begin to travel out of Palestine, they were taking the gospel along with them. So, they can arrive to the saint Rome, the saint Corinth, the saint Thessalonians. Can you get a picture now? That is how the gospel went. How did it go that way? God had to persecute them to drive them out of their comfort zone. Go out there. Because the gospel was meant for all the continent we mentioned. The three continents were supposed to receive it. Now they want to make it in one place. So trouble begin to erupt among them. And they begin to move out. They begin to persecute them. As they go out, they were able to take the gospel along with them. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible made us understand here. That high priest have the feeling of witness. And sympathy. And compassion for the people that is meant to minister unto. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 3. But that also means that he has to offer sacrifice of himself as well as the people's. Number 4. No one elects him to, to this honored position. He's called to it by God as Aaron was. Neither did Christ presume to set himself up as a high priest. But was set apart by one who said to him, You are my son today. I celebrate you. Come on. Hallelujah. In another place, God declares, you are a priest forever in the royal order of what? Of Melchizedek. And so when Christ came, what was he doing? The Bible says, he went about doing good. He didn't sit in one place. He went about doing good. There was a compassion of the people in his heart. Wherever he went, he was ensuring that people received life and light from God. He wanted a change for humanity. People of God, I want to make you understand. We can't sit in church and think we are doing the will of God. We can't sit in church and think we are doing the mind of God. We are a royal priesthood. It's expected that we go and minister to those who need compassion, mercy, sympathy from the hands of God. That's our role of the order of Melchizedek. It's not one place ministry. And that is why some of you have always said it and you know that. The Bible says the fivefold ministry were given for the equipping of the saint for the work of ministry. Meaning it is you who is supposed to do the work of ministry? What ministry? You are ministering now as the one in the order of Melchizedek, wherever you find yourself. We must have sympathy for the ignorant. Sympathy for those who can understand. Pity, if, you, if I may use the word. For those who are in oppression. How to help the people. That is what you are supposed to be doing. There is nowhere you are not supposed to be a minister in. In the school you are supposed to be a minister. I've just given you a simple illustration of a man. 
who have to target all footballers on the field. Every morning goes to the field. Every evening goes to the field just to preach to footballers. He has a pulpit. Where was his pulpit? On the football pitch. Not in church. No, climbing the podium. No, 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 no. You can find the pulpit wherever you find yourself. Can I hear an to that? You're doing all of this to turn men unto God. This is what God intended Israel to be. It was a kingdom of priests to the rest of the whole world. The three continents, like I mentioned. That's why I was sent at a position. Who knows why God chose you at this time? Who knows why God called you at this time? Who knows whether it is because of your neighbor, your very next of kin, somebody around you. Who knows if that is the reason God chose you at this time? That through you, such men will come to the knowledge of the truth. Your function as what? As a high priest. After the order of Melchizedek. You know the word. It is not because you were Levite in the Old Testament. That's why you can do what I'm saying. It is not because you are in another order. After the order of what? Melchizedek. So wherever you find yourself. You are supposed to be speaking out for God. Don't you forget that. He said he called you a high priest. A high calling. So that you can be speaking out for who? For God. Wherever you go. Wherever you are supposed to be. That is what you are called to do, people of God. Don't sit down in one place. Don't think your salvation is something you have to put in a bucket. I mean, in a box and just zip it up or lock it up. And then you open it when you want. Maybe you open it only on Sunday. You talk about it on Sunday. No. Wherever you find yourself, the Bible says, speak out for who? For God. And have mercy on those who are perishing. As a high priest, you stand between them and God. Is there anybody perishing around you? Is anybody going through some oppression around you? In any form, you have the role as a high priest to minister before these people on behalf of God. God will even enable you to do signs and wonders because your function as was as a high priest. Not just in church, people, but out there in the whole street, in the wall, in the marketplace, in the school, in the universities, wherever you find yourself, speak out the truth of God's word. You see, you are called to speak out for him. You are a royal priesthood. Meaning through you, the rest of mankind are supposed to receive what they have never received before. The forgiveness of sin. Remember what he said in the book of John to the disciples? He said, to whom you forgive their sins, they are what? Forgiven. To whom you forgive their sins, they are forgiven. How do you forgive people's sin? By turning them onto what? Unto righteousness for the forgiveness of sin. When you preach to them and they receive the gospel you preach to them, their sins are forgiven. This is how you forgive people's sin. This is how you function as a high priest because the high priest was the only one qualified to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. So the way you offer your sacrifice today is to turn them from the way they are living to the way of the Lord. How are you going to do that? As you share the word of God unto them wherever you find yourself. Those who receive what you are telling them and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are Sins are forgiven. So whom sins he forgiven, he also will do what? Will forgive. As a high priest. That's what they are called to do. We are in the order of Melchizedek. And there's much more in our hands to do for God. As long as you have this your flesh body. As long as you have your soul. As long as you have your strength. As long as you have your body walking on the face of the earth. There's a responsibility upon your life. To turn many unto who? Unto righteousness. The Bible says, Though that know their God shall do what? They shall do exploit. What is the exploit? They shall turn many unto what? Unto righteousness. It is he who knows his God that can do that. It is they that know their God that the Bible says will be able to do that. 
And do you know there's a reward for turning many unto righteousness? We can continue the way we are, people of God. God has called us to be a priest unto the rest of the nations. And when I talk about the nations, I'm not just talking about going out to maybe India, to maybe Colombia, or something like that. Well, that is not part of it, but watch this. The Bible says, God was speaking to Isaac, remember, Rebecca, or whatever. He's saying that womb, there are two nations. Did he say so? Am I talking to someone here? So, when I say nations, I'm not just talking about Nigeria or Ghana or Cameroon alone. I'm talking about people around you. Because to you, you are a nation. Hallelujah. So there are two nations in your womb. You are a nation. Your next neighbor is a nation. God has called you to go to the nations. There are nations all around you. And your role as a high priest is what I've come to explain to you this morning. That church is not just a matter of coming to church, putting the offering, shouting, praise the Lord, and one thing, go back home and to wait the next Sunday. No, 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 no. Wherever you are, God wants you to speak for God. How many are challenged this morning and you're going to take it up? That you can't keep your mouth shut because you are a high priest. You have to have compassion on people. You have to assist people. The little you have, assist humanity. Let them live better than you made them. Don't you ever walk through this life and live it the way you made it. See to it that somebody get joy because of you. See to it that somebody smile because of you. See to it that somebody is happy because of you. Provide for those who are in need if God has blessed you. Am I talking to someone here this morning? See to it that somebody is happier than when you met the person. Than he came close to you. Let his life never be the same. Let her life never be the same. You are called as a priest after the order of Melchizedek.